glass, ice, pour. Hello and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am your host, Ryan Charles Brown, and joining me on the show today is Dr. Carl Totten. Dr. Carl, thank you so much for joining me today. Good morning. Glad to be here. And it is a very early morning. We're connecting at uh, nine o'clock on uh, on Wednesday morning, which is uh, which is great. You know, I love Los Angeles early in the morning, uh, despite the traffic. Uh, I really enjoy uh, just how the the newness of LA. And I love LA in the morning, so uh, I'm happy to be with you here at uh, at nine, getting started. And um, for those of you that are still getting acquainted with the show, um, I have been a rideshare driver. I've been driving for Lyft and Uber for the past three years now, and I've given over 5,500 rides to people from all over the world. And uh, through having these conversations, I have uncovered that uh, masculinity and when men became a man, uh, when men entered in manhood, um, these are uh, topics and questions that are still uh, a little bit confusing for a lot of uh, young men today and men that are um, entering into different phases of life. And uh, I even found this in myself as I, uh, over the past few years, have been taking stock and inventory of my life and how I can be a better individual, a better man. I'm realizing that there are aspects of my life and, and when I asked myself, when did you become a man? I actually couldn't answer that question. And uh, so uh, a lot of work has gone in for me personally uh, to, to figure out what it means to be a man. And a lot of that work has come with Dr. Carl. So I'm really excited to have Dr. Carl on the show today because for the past year or so, he's actually been working with me on helping me uncover um, different aspects of my personality and how to really just become a better man uh, for, for my family, for my community, for the people around me, and for the world. Uh, we talk a lot about how individuals can really be the ripples uh, that create positive change. So I'm really looking forward to talking with you, Dr. Carl, today. We're here in your amazing um, sanctuary, as we call it, where we have, uh, where we have our meetings, and we're just uh, we're immersed in uh, an, a multi-religious, an interfaith, um, just a really great safe space here at the Taoist Institute. So I appreciate you being here uh, with me today for you opening up this space. Um, and, uh, you know, I do, uh, I, I enjoy this show for a number of reasons, but one, uh, I also get to sample a little whiskey uh, while I'm talking with my guests. So I have my Bushmills with me this morning uh, because it is early. Uh, I did, uh, did a little Bushmills in my coffee, uh, which is uh a new uh, a new taste sensation that uh, that I, I treat myself to uh, when I get to do these interviews, which is great. Stopped at my favorite coffee shop this morning, Joe Coffee here in Los Angeles, and uh, so I'm I'm all set and ready to go and uh, ready to dive in this uh, to this conversation about um, masculinity. And and for this episode, uh, I'm going to be using myself as uh, okay. as a little bit more of the guinea pig, uh, and I'm going to be using my uh, my story and and the work that we've done as as kind of the foundation foundation for this, and hopefully you'll find some inspiration in that. Um, but where I want to kick us off today is one of the first things that you and I worked on, Dr. Carl, was um, connecting me with my younger self, my mm -hmm. inner child. Mm -hmm. And you actually introduced this idea to me that I actually have an, inter an inner child. I didn't, I didn't really know that 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 person even existed, that that aspect of my character, uh, personality even existed. So um, I would love for you just to kind of lay the foundation of where that uh, practice came from and 
And what are some of the benefits that you find when people are able to connect with their younger self, their inner child, specifically men? Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think that, um, you know, here in um, the United States in the 21st century, you know, there's, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of confusion because there's so many ver- ver- variants and and uh, ideas about what is real, what is reality. Number one, <laughs> yeah. um, and and about w- what are gender roles, and we know that all these things are in flux these days. They're changing. There's a lot of pushback because of that. There's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of confusion. I think, and so I think that one of the things I've tried to do is to bring in resources from other cultures that have dealt with these issues a lot longer than we have. <laughs> you know, the United States is a young country as far yeah. in the scheme of things when you have other cultures going back thousands of years. And they've I think some of them have had to struggle with some of these issues over that period of time and have perhaps come up with some answers that might be useful to us, you know, some ideas yeah. just to think about. Um, of course, in China, you know, Taoism, one of the main tenets of Taoism is that of unity and balance and wholeness. You know, everybody knows about that yin and yang symbol yeah. with the darker one really uh, equated with being more feminine, if you will, more yielding, more receptive. And the other, the lighter one being more expressive, more outgoing, more, quote, masculine. But some people think of yin and yang as being op- in oppositional in a, in a, to each other, opposing, but they really are not. They are in collaboration with each other. And another concept of Taoism is that of time, right? Being in constant flux and growth and change. And so is there just a one way to be in the world when actually every second is completely different than any other second that ever existed. Our bodies are completely different. Every few minutes, old cells have died, new ones have come into birth. But yet, because of our brains, we're holding on to an image that we're still the same. Mm. And we often will defend to the death, almost, (laughs) the notion that we really haven't changed, that we're still the same person when reality is that everything has changed now what do we call someone who is out of step out of touch with reality typically in this culture kind of that's <laughs> kind of a definition of uh, insanity yeah. you're out of touch with reality yeah so so here we have uh, a culture where we're trying first of all again we're a new country and culture so a lot is in flux but yet there are some i think primarily unspoken uh, norms you know that people particularly i think men feel they have to hang on to in order to feel like a man what is a man a man is supposed to be what what are some of the memes uh, we grew up with strong resilient dependable tough yeah tough yeah <laughs> dependable responsible yeah, yeah. <laughs> um a, a protector a defender uh you know w- willing to sacrifice himself for his country for his family and on and on and on so just growing up in this society 
there's all these kind of unspoken uh, expectations that young boys and becoming young men have to deal with. Now, on the other hand, since norms are changing and uh, you know, women are playing a, an increasingly more visible role, I think, at all levels of society, I mean, how many countries around the world have had female presidents already? I think it's over 30. Wow. Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but thirty to forty, I, I think. Last time, yeah. And, but here, whoa! Look what happened last time when, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it even came close. Mm -hmm. There was a huge mm -hmm. kickback, mm -hmm. I think, which kind of led to some of the situations we're in today. So, the notion of the inner child, the inner child, in one sense, is a type of representation of the subconscious, of the unconscious. Um, you know, Sigmund Freud said that the object of psychoanalysis really was to reunite those two aspects of our being. Mm. You know, he said something very famous, which was, where id was, there shall ego be. Mm. One of the most profound statements in the history of philosophy and psychology, yeah. where id was the unconscious, there shall ego, the conscious, the intentional self, be. Because as one of his disciples, Carl Jung, said, you know, the parts of ourselves that we don't like, that we don't uh, feel comfortable with, that we might be embarrassed about, feeling guilty about, feeling some shame about, those aspects of ourselves tend to get uh, shut down and shunted into the unconscious mm. and the invisible unconscious, what he called the shadow. Huh. And the problem with the shadow is that since it has a lot of power, but at the same time is being ignored, mm. it tends to kind of stab us in the back. Yes. <laughs> it's following us around <laughs> behind, <laughs> having all this toxic energy with no way to express itself in the light of day. And so it tends to express itself in more negative and in inhibiting ways. Yeah. And so you have men walking around feeling that, oh, I'm supposed to be this, that, and the other, and yet in their own shadow are all of these, these kind of hidden aspects that they have, and maybe society, has demonized, and so they're feeling almost like these repositories of shame and guilt walking around all the time, feeling that there's something just not quite right about me and my relationship with the world, not to mention with myself. Right, right. And so the notion of the inner child is to acknowledge that we have suppressed aspects of ourselves, and that inner child, often that aspect of our personality, this part that's been disowned and pushed down, has been very much hurt throughout our lives. And that hurt, and what happens when you have a hurt little child around? Yeah, <laughs> You're a dad now. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, he cries, he screams, yeah. he, you know, something negative happens, yeah. And, but what if that inner child is ignored and not even allowed to cry or scream and show that he's in pain. 
Can you imagine wow. what would happen? Yeah. The toxicity of that over 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Man. And that's why I think that when I look around the world for the last several thousand years, I see a record of a, a very mixed bag. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, we've had astonishing uh, discoveries, achievements, you know, science, um, uh, cultural, um, artistic, musical, you know, classical music or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been amazing discoveries, and there's also been episodes of incredible compassion and giving uh, throughout history. Juxtaposed with that is a history of incredible brutality and violence. Uh, history is pretty much marked by what? Wars, Wars for yeah. control, manipulation, mm -hmm. domination, mm -hmm. resources. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one country invading and enslaving another. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite authors, Dr. Ronald David Lang, R.D. Lang, a Scottish psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, said back in the 1960s, 68 or 9, I think, that the condition of modern man is that of an insane being. Mm -hmm. Because he said in the past 50 years, so-called sane man has killed over 100 million of his fellow men around the world. What is remotely sane about that? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing. That's insane. Mm -hmm. That's complete craziness. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not something new. This is going back thousands of years. And so I think that the fact that we have hidden aspects of ourselves and tried to live up to some externally imposed um, traditions, rules, uh, religious authority, of course, has imposed quite a bit of that. And the, one of the foundations of the United States of America, of course, was supposed to be the separation of church and state. <laughs> because looking back in history, you know, back to the you know, Inquisition and all, all sorts of things, you know, we've seen the toxic influence of trying to use religious principles and standards to impose order right. and control, where the, essentially the church authorities were the same as the government as the political power. And if you stepped outside of that, the results were often very tragic <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and led to, what, more violence. And what is religion and spirituality certainly supposed to em embrace? I don't think it's that. Yeah, that's kind of the antithesis of it's what the it's antithesis. supposed to be. Yeah, it's supposed to embody peace. But, but yet, has it? Right. No. And I think that a lot of the current younger generation feels that hypocrisy very intensely. Yes. And that, I think, has led to the uh, luring of attendance in a lot of traditional religious, uh, like church establishments. Yeah. Yeah. And people are looking to things that are more spiritual, certainly. Mm -hmm. But the uh, traditional establishment church uh, finds its attendance often uh, declining with each generation, mm -hmm. lower and lower. And I think it's because younger people are feeling very much that disparity between the ideal and the reality. Yeah. So the inner child is a way uh, to bring back into the picture 
some of the aspects of ourselves that might allow us to move more into balance, more into wholeness, more into actually putting energy into that ideal self and way of life rather than just following cultural norms which have been based on suppression and repression and toxic uh, identities like toxic masculinity. Right. You know, where men have been forced into a position to be warriors, you know, to dominate, to control, and, of course, to subjugate women Mm -hmm. and to abuse them. And, uh, and, and of course, we've all seen in the last couple of years, things have changed, right. you know, you yeah. know, with the Me Too movement, with all the things we've seen in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know, all the many, many men of power, mm-hmm. you know, who have been uh, kind of outed, yeah. <laughs> you know, the curtain pulled back and culture of accountability, <laughs> you know, and we, and we see, we see, uh, that shadow self playing out, uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. Light is being thrown into the shadow. Right. And what we've been seeing has not been pretty. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so if in our daily lives we can each acknowledge that we do have a subconscious and unconscious, we are carrying an inner child who has needs and wants and has been ignored. And, and what I can tell you as a psychologist, when you have a child who's been who has been actually or has perceived themselves to be abandoned, neglected, and ignored, you have a traumatized child, often for life, who will be carrying those scars in their career, in their relationships, certainly in their family life, and in their public life, contributing to, I think, the malaise of an entire generation or an entire civilization an entire country. Yeah. So this is a way to take, really to take responsibility for who we are and not just assume that something or someone else out there is going to do it for us. Mm -hmm. There is no out there. Mm -hmm. There's only here. Life is an inside job. (laughs) And if we don't do it, who is? The government? Yeah. Senators? Yeah. Someone (laughs) will do it for you. No. Yeah, the, the, they will pretend that they, they, they will assume responsibility, but there's a cost. Right. Which is the subjugation of your very being, your right. very soul. And that's too high a price for me. Yeah, it's your life, your one and only life. <laughs> yeah. And you're gambling it away. And I think that we're here, that we were kind of born or incarnated, if you will, to be ourselves, to find our path, to find our creative aspects, and then to put that out in the world, to express that in the world in a way that allows us to interact with the world and by putting our mix in the pot. You know, this is yeah. you know the world's been compared to a big stew. Mm-hmm. Right? And we need your ingredient. Yeah, we need your <laughs> flavor. Right. Yeah. Or or something's missing. Right. And if anything is missing, then the whole is dim- diminished because of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's been other cultures around the world that have taken this notion of the inner child and really respected it. One, one culture that I study is uh, the Hawaiian uh, culture, the kahunas, kind of the medicine men and women mm-hmm. of Hawaii. And um, they actively teach about the suppression of memories and the, uh, in the inner child. 
and that leads to, they feel, all manner of destruction uh, on every level, you know, the mental yep. and emotional levels, the, the physical body, uh, the, certainly the, our, our energy, and ultimately our spirit. And if our, our reality, our conscious and subconscious reality is filled with all of these toxins, these uh, mental, emotional, energetic, and spiritual toxins that come from suppression of reality, our own reality, then it's impossible really to get in touch with our higher self, that creative spark, if you will, you know, to find our path, our, you know, our way in life, because we, we're having to crawl through this thick mud of <laughs> suppression and toxic emotions to try to then ignore that and, and reach our higher self, to reach our destiny. It doesn't work. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. And people wind up feeling that all the time, no matter how well they're doing, even financially, that, you know, there's something wrong. Something missing. There's something missing. Yeah. Yep. And as a psychologist, one of my main jobs, I think, is to kind of act as that mirror and help, help people to look at themselves, what's conscious, what's subconscious, what's unconscious, what's that inner child in their feeling. Mm -hmm. Because again, if you have an abused, abandoned, neglected inner child, just like a real child, you're, there's going to be incredible damage. Yeah. And that child is going to let you know that they're hurting. Yeah. And they're going to let you know either outwardly or they're going to destroy themselves inwardly with mental, emotional, spiritual, physical illness and lack of integration and well-being. And so the Hawaiians that I've studied with, you know, there's a Hawaiian tradition called Ho'oponopono, <laughs> mm. which basically means something like to reset and to regain really the self. Yeah. And they, they start by saying that what we're really doing is carrying all these toxic memories around and the, but the memories have hooks, and the hooks are into our spirit, our soul. Mm -hmm. And so the way to cleanse that is to tell that inner child what it's been wanting all this time, which is it wants to be loved, and it wants to be acknowledged. And so saying thank you, and I love you, to who knows, tens of thousands, maybe millions of like little memories and slights and hurt feelings that have been built up over a lifetime, perhaps lifetimes right, <laughs> even. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the Hawaiians said that if you could actually see what you're carrying, you'd probably just faint and pass <laughs> out right now. You you're know. too overwhelming. Yeah, you'd see Mount Everest uh, on your back. Talk about the monkey on your back. You've got Mount Everest on your back. <laughs> you got this 30,000-foot thing on your back yeah. that you've been carrying around, not knowing it and wondering why you feel bad. Right, wondering why you're feeling like a fraction of yourself. Or you're not <laughs> living into your full potential. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're, you're carrying all this stuff. And by the way, it's not only yours. Remember, on a quantum level, we're all interconnected. Mm -hmm. So you're carrying everybody else's. You're certainly carrying your families, your family of origin, and your ancestral lineage. Yeah. You know, remember Carl Jung talked about the collective unconscious. But the collective unconscious has, on one hand, you know, a lot of universal images like the Madonna, you know, things that we see throughout, you know, history mm -hmm. in all cultures, you know, the wise man, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
but it's also carrying all of this toxicity of unspoken, unmet needs, desires, wants, aspects of the self that have been suppressed and demonized. And that's why human history is this incredible mixed bag of incredible enlightenment on one hand and incredible destructiveness yeah. uh, on the other. I was going to say creation on one hand, the ability to create and have harmony, but then also the unbelievable ability to destroy and tear yes. down. Remember Carl uh, 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 Sigmund Freud talked about you know the life principle, you know uh, eros and libido, but also the death instinct he called Thanatos, mm. and felt that these were at war with each other. And if you were quote healthy uh, in terms of understanding yourself and getting uh, emotional support, then your ego would be free to kind of flower and bloom and achieve some type of satisfaction. But on the other hand, if the other aspect of ourself rose to prominence, you know, the more negative side, that we would tend to self-sabotage and wind up destroying ourselves. Yeah. We'd, uh, we'd start moving towards death and disaster rather than towards life. Speaking of life, I wanted to take a moment and talk with you about one of my favorite vegan handmade personal care products, No Tox Life. I use their deodorant. Um, I have a sensitive skin type, so deodorants sometimes make me itchy and rashy, and so I've switched over to No Tox Life, and I've had no problems since switching over to their products. So you can find them online if you go to notoxlife.com. You can also find them on Instagram at notoxlife. They make amazing products, so head on over and check them out. You made a comment that you feel part of your role is to be a mirror to people and to kind of, you know, bring light into the cracks. And uh, I really feel like that was one of the main uh, of, the, of our early sessions. That was one of the main um, one of my main takeaways was mm -hmm. just, um, you know, I, I, even before I, I, I started to see you regularly, when I would talk with my wife. Uh, about some of these struggles that I was having and she would tell me things I just couldn't hear them from her I just mm. I couldn't hear what she was saying I couldn't hear that I couldn't take that feedback from her because uh, it was hitting me in my shadow it was hitting me in my younger self and um, for just where I was in my life at that time I wasn't able to hear those things from her so then I come here into this beautiful space and I sit on the couch and I listen to you tell me the exact same things that my wife was telling me but when you're telling them to me it's coming from a place of um, I don't know actually I can't even describe the place that it's coming from because it's coming from you uh, but where it hit me I should say is it hit me in a place that really made me decide um, are you going to listen to these things are you going to acknowledge your shadow are you going to acknowledge the dark parts of your life or are you going to continue to ignore them and I think that has been for me the decision to kind of step into the darkness and move into that space and be comfortable with it mm -hmm. has been one of the most difficult decisions I've had to make as a man is uh, deciding, am I going to do the hard work that it takes? You know, all of the stuff that you described uh, takes a lot of hard work. It's not, it's not simple work. And, and one of the things that I really appreciate you reminding me and also reminding the listeners is that we are not just a physical and a mental being. We also have spiritual health. Um, 
there's three other ones that I'm neglecting. There's spiritual health. Uh, you said physical, mental, spiritual, emotional is mm-hmm. another one. And energetic. Uh, energetic you know, is our another vitality one. vitality as yeah, a human being. Exactly. We have that spark of life and right. energy. Right. Um, or we should have that. We should. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal is right. to nurture that. Right. And that takes practice, by the way, too. Right, right. You know, that's why, you know, in the Chinese uh, systems that I teach, you know, I teach uh, Chinese martial arts, you know, Kung Fu, Tai Chi, yeah. and then spiritual practices, health practices, like uh, Chinese yoga, they call it Qigong, mm. and mindful meditation. So Qigong and meditation. And one of the tenets of those practices is that it has to be exactly that, a practice. Yeah. You know, it's not enough to... Uh, read about it in a book or to have nice thoughts about how you should be uh, working out and <laughs> meditating mm-hmm. and eating right oh you know, oh all that sounds good but it, but if you don't you know walk the talk right. it, it's of little use right and the only way and we we are creatures of habit all of us all animals uh, have habits right and a lot of those habits are based on memory and in um, and even tradition Custom, right? And uh, are all of our habits positive and nurturing and satisfying and good? I don't think so. I don't think so. any of my habits are nurturing <laughs> and life-giving and good. I think all of my habits are bad. <laughs> and so we have these kind of monkeys following our on, on our back, many of which are very toxic. And so the only way to change... So if we don't do anything or don't do much, really, then we're going to always default to the past, to right. the old habitual patterns. And the default tends to be very negative because all of those things that we've been talking about are very heavy, they're very dense, they're very thick, mm-hmm. they're very negative, which is why it's so difficult to get past it, yeah. even if you want to. Right. And that's why the only way to get past it is to be relentless in pursuing the light, mm-hmm. in pursuing vitality. And the only way to do that is to practice. Right. I remember my teacher from China, he'd always, I'd, every, time, every time you'd ask him a question, his answer 90% of the time was, you practice. You practice, boy. <laughs> oh, yes, teacher. Yes, Sifu. <laughs> yeah, but what about this, this, and that? Uh, you practice. <laughs> you practice more. <laughs> wow. Because he knew that only through you taking responsibility and owning your own change and evolution, that was the only way you were going to change your life. He didn't have the answers for you. Only you have the answers for yourself. But that takes work. It takes practice. And the Chinese term for this is a gong. Gong. And the word gong means work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so my students, I give them a list of things, individualized for each one of them, for what they need to do every day to claim themselves, to reclaim themselves. And some of that might be, again, those five levels. Some will be mental. Some will be emotional. Some will be physical. Some will be energetic. And some will be spiritual. Mm-hmm. Because we have to honor all aspects of ourselves if we're going to become whole. We can't ignore anything. And we certainly can't ignore the inner child's experience or lack of experience, or toxic experience with these different aspects of ourselves. So we have to consciously do what Freud said, right? Mm -hmm. Connect the conscious and the subconscious, the unconscious, 
where id was, there shall ego be, you know, ego being the conscious aware self, the intentional self. Connect that with the subconscious and the unconscious so that the entire system can become whole. Carl Jung, his disciple, said, there's no coming to consciousness without pain. No thanks, Carl. That's not, the American, that's not the American way. The American way is to avoid pain at all costs. And to take any number of su substances, substances yeah, and yeah, yeah. liquids, you know, yeah. to, to suppress all of that. Even other humans. We even transfer our, you know, other humans. We even, you know, bring in other people to, you know, that was one thing that I used to do uh, with my, my old relationships. I would move from relationship to relationship to relationship, um, dating different women, basically being like, fix me, fix mm -hmm. me, fix me. I'm broken and it just never works. And I think that's something that a lot of men... Uh, because I came from uh, from a generation that um, the divorce statistics really rose. I'm, a, I'm from a divorced home. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of men, you talked about wounds and having wounds, and, and uh, I think wounds come, come about at a young age, whether it's through familial things or whatever, and then we bring those wounds to other people and expect them to fix them. And yes. so we're, we're, we're half a person joining up with probably another half a person, or if we're lucky, a whole person, but that connection is not going to be there. I think for me, uh, when I met my wife, I think she was a whole person. I, I really do. I think she was a whole person. And I was like, you're a lucky man. I am unbelievably <laughs> lucky. Um, I think I was like a 75 percenter. I think I was like a three fourths person. Um, I was ready to, I was ready to, to talk about doing the work but I don't know if I was ready to do it just yet. Mm. You know, I was the type of person who was like, let me follow a bunch of inspirational Instagram accounts and let me, you know, watch these YouTube videos. And, you know, I'd watch all these documentaries, The Secret, and I'd be reading all these books, Four Agreements, and, you know, all these things. And even in some of our early sessions, you would tell me all these things, and I, I have my notebook, and I've got, you know, just pages of notes. And then I'd go home, and I'd be like, Oh, Dr. Carl's just so great. That was just so <laughs> nice. All right, I'm going to go watch TV for an hour and a half, or I'm going to go, you know, let my responsibilities sort of like simmer in the background while I, you know, meet my ego needs, you know? Um, and so I think, I think for me that, that switch into deciding it's time to start doing the work mm -hmm. and doing all of it, specifically the mental and emotional work, um, as a man, I'm not, I'm not afraid of physical work. I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of that mental work, even because of how I was raised. I'm not, you know, really afraid of that, but that emotional and that spiritual work mm -hmm. terrifies me. Mm. It's just so, it's, it's so hard for me because it's so intimate, you know? And so when I talk with other men, when I've been talking with men in the car, you know, um, not every man that I've talked with is, is even aware of emotional and spiritual needs. And so when I go to talk with them about like meeting emotional needs or self-care, things like that, they look at me like, what are you, what are you talking about? like you're about? speaking another language, yeah, a foreign yeah, language. exactly, exactly. Like I'm speaking Chinese, possibly. Yes. Um, and so I think, I think there's... That, by the way, just remind me of something. I think that in large part um, accounts for the disconnect often between men and women. 
yeah. You know, the old thing about, you know, men are from Mars, women <laughs> are from Venus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because women certainly embrace and acknowledge those more emotional, intimate needs right. than many men, particularly in this culture, who have been brainwashed into this right. uh, this soup of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And that clashes with that open, receptive, mm-hmm. intimate, emotional style yeah. that many women uh, embrace yeah. more than uh, their, their, their men, yeah. the men in their lives. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think that's one of the things that um, family therapists or couples therapists, marriage counselors have to deal with all the time, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> one of the reasons why you know I tend to shy away from that. You know? <laughs> I was gonna say you don't do a lot of uh, couples therapy because I mean, here you have this couple in the room and they're sitting there screaming at each other, and I'm like, hey, can't we all just get along? You know, <laughs> come on. You're just trying to find your way to like double dutch in the conversation. Like you just said something really good. Because <laughs> the truth is, each one of them. And particularly, I think you know, the the males they they really have a lot of inner work they need to do. Yeah. Um, because you know when you have a couple in the room, you know each you have each person and then you have their relationship. See, there's three entities right there, mm. or more. That's important. That's <laughs> a very important point. <laughs> and yeah. then the 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 woman has her family of origin and her ancestral lineage in the room too, as does the man. See, so. Really, you're doing this incredible group therapy mm-hmm. <laughs> with people who aren't being even acknowledged in the room. It yeah. makes it very difficult and challenging. <laughs> yeah. So what you're telling me is that my mother-in-law would be in my couples therapy <laughs> even if I don't want her to be. <laughs> <laughs> with all the subtle interplay of the unacknowledged emotions that all of that um, uh, reflects, it makes it very, very difficult. You know, the, 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 the type of group kind of counseling therapy that I actually liked the best was when I was interning in um, L.A. County psychiatric hospitals. I was working in the psychiatric ER, emergency room, and then go, would go upstairs um, for the rest of the day, and I would do groups with psychotic patients, with patients with bipolar disorder, severe depression, people wow. who've tried to kill themselves. And, and we'd all sit around in a circle. And my job was to do group therapy with this incredibly damaged group of individuals. But that, because it was more, it was out in the open that everybody was hurting and everybody was damaged. We were coming from that in the first place and they all wanted to get better because they were in pain. It worked mm-hmm. because it was acknowledged that they didn't know the answers. Whereas you have a couple coming in, each one wanting to prove that they're right, yeah. essentially, yeah. you know, with ego dominating. Mm-hmm. And then now I, I have to sit here and say, no, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You folks are hurt. and right. You have no clue how much you're hurting yourself, hurting each other, how much you've been hurt. What you're carrying, who you're carrying into the room, mm-hmm. it's amazing. So I have a lot of respect for people who do that yeah. type of work because it's amazingly difficult. 
That will wrap up part one of my interview with Dr. Carl Totten. Make sure you come back next Monday to hear part two and the conclusion of my interview with Dr. Carl. As always, uh, check out the show notes where I will have the links to Dr. Carl's website as well as links to the Deep West, uh, their Instagram. I want to thank them again for providing the music for this podcast. And uh, there are also the links to the social media for both myself and the podcast. If you need a reminder, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Ryan Charles LA. And you can follow the show also on Twitter and Instagram at Whiskey and Rye Pod. So that'll do it for this week. Come back next Monday to hear part two with Dr. Carl. Until then, I raise my glass to you. Cheers. <laughs>